Okay, so we're going to talk. It's a standalone message today about the parable of the sower. And some of my favorite messages and lessons from Jesus are his parables. He was the best preacher there ever was. He would tell stories, and through those stories, we would learn deep revelation that was revealed from God that had been kept hidden until the time Jesus said it. So what's unique about Jesus, among many things, is everything he spoke was absolute truth. He was taking things which were hidden and revealing them. So we can speculate about who God is. We can speculate what life is about. We can have people who we consider wise and they say stuff and we're like, this dude, he figured it out. But when Jesus says something, there's no question. He's revealing deep truths about the way things work under the surface and what is life about and who he is. And this is what he's going to do with the parable of the sower today. He's going to reel reveal deep things about what salvation is about you many of you hear someone got saved or you, you hear about salvation all the time and they talk about that what does that even mean that means in a quick summary that someone has been brought spiritually from death to life they went from unbelief to believing they went from having no faith to having faith they went from having no hope to believing Jesus is the Son of God, is divine, and that he lived perfectly. He died an atoning death. He did rise from the dead after three days, and he is coming back one day. When someone puts their faith in that truth, people, it's called saved, or people refer to it as salvation because it means that they were saved from the punishment of God because they put faith in Jesus who took their punishment, and now they're in right relationship with God by grace. So why does that happen with some people and other people like, you're foolish, man. You should be golfing on Sundays. Why do some people say, I want to give my life to Jesus and the church and the mission matters and that person needs to hear about Jesus and people like, whatever, let people believe what they believe or not believe or go wherever they want or do whatever they want to do, man. Just live. Why is that like that? Why are hearts different? Why are ears different? Why are life's different? Why are minds different? Why do... People function different and respond differently to Jesus Christ in the message of the gospel. Today, Jesus is going to answer those questions for us through the parable of the sower. You know, recently, it was like a year ago, my dream has always been to have a great garden. It's never come to fruition. You know how much time it takes to have a good garden? I'm too busy for these things. But this dude across the street, my neighbor said, listen, come here. I think he had a bear or two that night. He's like, let me show you my garden, dog. I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Now, he's this little house, and I can't see behind his house. So I'm like, let's do this. I didn't even tell Natalie. I was, like, missing for two hours. I'm like, Natalie's going to think I just left or something. And so I end up in the backyard. I wasn't ready for this guy's garden. I came around the corner. This dude was growing like cantaloupes in Wakefield, like peach trees. Everything he did was so neat. I'm like, dude, do you work? Like, how are you doing this? He's like, there's more. And he brought me out back, and it was just perfectly cultivated garden that bore more fruit than I've ever seen a garden bear in Wakefield. I just felt inadequate looking at this garden. I was like, come look at my gra- crabgrass, brother, on my front lawn. I just felt inadequate. And I looked and said, wow, this guy's a master gardener. He's taken the time, he's pruned, he's sown, 
He's watered, and it's bearing fruit. And it was just a wonderful, almost spiritually satisfying thing to see. Today, what I want you to hear, for those who have ears to hear, and for those who are in Christ, and for those who have put their faith in Christ, rejoice today because God is doing a work in you that is miraculous. He's going to bear fruit in your life that's of eternal value. Over the coming months, you're going to look back and say, what is God doing in my heart? This isn't, this don't even feel right. Why am I being gentle with this person? Why am I praying right now? I don't pray unless I'm in big, big trouble. Why am I forgiven? What am I doing reading the Bible? I don't even know how to pronounce these books. All these things, we're all at different stages. Some of us to see it as just taking root in our heart. For some of us, God is causing us to bear fruit 30-fold. For some of us, we're getting pruned for God to bear more fruit in our lives. But rejoice today because you have the privilege. The secret of the gospel has been revealed to you, and God is doing a work in your life to make you more like Jesus, to cause you to love and honor God the Father with all your heart, to love people and advance the gospel. He's going to even do a work in some of your hearts and call you into ministry. These are the kind of things that God does when he sows the seed of the gospel into people's hearts. So I want you to rejoice today that the master gardener has done something great in our hearts and he's going to continue to do it by his power and his grace. Let's turn to Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20. That's the one we're going to be learning from. My wife says, it's so nice, say it twice. Mark 4, 1 through 20. And give everyone the time. This is the word of the Lord. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a soul went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And the other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He... Who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they heard the word, immediately received it with joy, and they had no root in themselves, but endure for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately They fell away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires 
for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. That's a lot of meat right there. Let's unpack it. What we have to understand about Jesus, like I said, not everyone loves him. Even when we're here on earth, what we've got to understand about our Savior is he, some people hated him so much and responded to him in such a ferocious way that they murdered him on a cross. So right away we see there's different responses to Jesus. When he preached this message, this is right after the religious leaders had accused him of doing his healing and miracles and signs of wonders, signs and wonders by the work of Satan. That's a pretty harsh accusation, right? You have the word become flesh. You have Jesus who is incarnate. He is divine. He's preaching. He's doing miracles. They can't deny that. He's healing people. But some people oppose him and respond so harshly that they say, we can't deny he's doing these things, but he's doing it by the work of Satan. They committed what is called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's a very heavy, heavy response. As with any good preacher, he has people who say, amen, brother. He has people say, I don't receive that. And it's people who don't really care. They're indifferent to it. It was no different in Jesus' day. Some people saw Jesus like Peter and all the disciples and said, he, like we talked about last week, he's worth it all. I'm going to give up even my belongings, my house. I'm going to leave um, where I am, I'm going to be persecuted, I'm going to be insulted, I'm going to be mistreated, but Jesus is work it all, worth it all, I'm going to deny myself and follow him. So you have that response from people when they hear Jesus. You have many people who give their life. Then you have the Pharisees like we talked about, who are ferociously opposed to Jesus. Then you have people that just think it's entertaining. Like, man, look what this dude's doing. I don't know what's going on, but there's a crowd gathering. Let's go hear him. What is he doing? I've never seen anything like this. That's part of every crowd. That's part of every crowd. I, I said, you're not a good preacher until you get booed. I've always said that. Too many preachers are trying to work for no booze. If people don't like you, you're not, pre you're not preaching. If people don't disagree with you, you haven't spoken truth. And it's no different for Jesus. Jesus spoke truth, and people opposed him. And the disciples were trying to figure out why. I've given my life. Like I've had people walk up to me, even this congregation, say, why don't people see Jesus? It's beautiful. It's wonderful. He's God. Why, why don't they see it? Why wouldn't they want to put their faith in a God who is love? And the disciples asked the same question. Say, Jesus, Master, Teacher, what's going on? Why are people responding differently like this? And maybe you've had the same response. I know me growing up in youth group, it seemed like everyone in their teen years was gung-ho for Jesus. It was like, I am going to give everything for Jesus. You don't understand me. My devotional life is on point. I will be in perfect attendance every Sunday. I'm starting 15 small groups. I will post Jesus quotes every day of the week. But time goes by and... You're still friends with these people on social media, and you're looking at their posts and saying, I don't know, that don't look Christian to me, dog. 
something ain't right in the hat. And then they just outright sometimes just post stuff like, I don't believe anymore. I've seen people post that. I don't believe anymore. I believe in the universe and what I can see in karma. And you're like, whoa, this brother went off course somewhere. Or you just see people totally opposed or just living too sinfully or saying, it's too hard to follow Jesus. I'm done, bro. I can't have fun anymore. That's it. You're putting restrictions on my good times. I'm done. There's all these different responses. And what I want to do is get to the heart of them and learn from Jesus on why this is what it is below the surface. And I love one of my favorite things the greatest preacher Jesus ever spoke is, him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And if you're a parent, you know that just because you say something doesn't mean your kid hears you. Can I get an amen? You will hear... Your children fighting in the other room, arguing with each other, you'd be like, you better stop that arguing right now. Or there shall be punishment in this house. And after 32 seconds, you hear the arguing start up again. And you're like, are these kids hearing me? They just heard me. They just looked at me and said, all right, we got it, we got it, we got it. That's hearing but not hearing. Just because you hear don't make, it doesn't mean it's hitting your heart. And we can sit in these seats and we can hear messages week after week. And you know what can happen to our ears and our heart? We can just put in our time and not allow the gospel to penetrate us so it changes, changes us and moves us and causes us to bear fruit. And what I want to encourage you today, never let the gospel get dull to you. Never let the gospel, no matter how hard it sounds, start to just bounce off your ears and not penetrate your heart and not cause you to repent and rejoice and be humbled and love and stay tender and fight on. Because we can do that. Even when we first heard it, we're rejoicing. I love Jesus. This is joy. Let's do this. But you know what? People start to hurt you and people let you down and you let yourself down and your vision for life is not going the way you planned. And all of a sudden, that soil starts getting a little harder and a little harder. And it is a battle to keep that soil right. But the only way to do it is to let the gospel keep breaking us. That God sent his only son, that he loves us so much, and that he, if he was willing to bear that for us, we should be willing to bear anything for him. We don't want to let that gospel fall on deaf ears. It's got to hit us. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of eternity. So let's get to the explanation of what's happening in people's hearts. You know, it should be encouraging for preachers with this parable because basically it says that every time you preach, 75% people on, 75 of people aren't paying attention. If we go by the statistics in the parable of so, Sower, how'd you do today, Joe? I know at least 25% people were, 25 were paying attention. So it was like 15 people here that got it. That's a good, if Jesus, if that's a good percentage for Jesus, I'm cool with that. But Jesus explains it, and you see this group, you see four different things happen, and you see this one group, group respond well, 25%, and you see the other three groups just totally respond in the wrong way. So what we want to do as followers of Jesus, people who want to honor God, we want to say, what was the right response, and how do I respond like that? And so the first one, Jesus unpacks, unpacks it. Let me give you the four just to rehearse it so you guys can be fluid in this, and you can even share it this week with people you know. It starts with the sower casting some seed on the path, and the birds came and devoured it. That's the first thing we hear Jesus say. 
Second one, he then says some seed is sown on the rocky ground and was scorched by the sun because it had no root. The third one says it goes on to say some seed fell among thorns and it was choked out by the, um, choked out by the thorns. He finishes with saying some seed fell on good soil. It took root, took root and produced grain. And that's where we want to be. But let's start with this first group. It says the sower, who is Jesus, the seed is the gospel, and the garden or the ground or the soil is our hearts and our ears. It says some seed was thrown on the path. The sower was sown and some just landed on the path. And Jesus said, that's when the seed is sown and Satan takes it right away. Like truth is sown, the message of the gospel is sown, and Satan rips that truth right out. Jesus didn't pull any punches. He wasn't, he didn't care. He spoke truth because he knew that would set, what set people free. He set people free. So he comes right out the gate and says that. When we think of that, think about who he's talking to, the Pharisees. What happened with the Pharisees? These men, these were your pastors, your reverends, your priests. They're listening to Jesus preach with the big crowd on the beach. They're hearing the word of truth, the incarnate word speak, and they don't get it. They say this isn't truth. They see it wrong. They see it wrong and they hear it wrong. They say that's blasphemous when it's truth. They say that's hateful when it's loving. They're saying you're not that. You're a heretic when he's saying he's the son of God. You see that response? They claim to love the father. What did Jesus say to them, to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time? He said, you don't love the Father. If you love the Father, if you knew God, you would understand that I'm his son and you would accept me and follow me and give your life to live by these words. But Satan had taken it right out. Something, their heart was hard. Their heart had other treasures. Their heart was numb to the things of God. And the birds came right away and took it away. You know, I tried to plant some grass this past, um, this past spring. I was sick of looking at the, the bare spots. I said, enough is enough, Joey. Act like a man. Get your grass to grow. And so I got what I thought. What, I got what I, what am I saying? I got what I thought, there we are, was super seed. So I went to Home Depot. I got a few referrals, and I said, this stuff's going to grow on concrete, man. And so I'm spreading that stuff out. I got obsessed for like two weeks. I was just planting grass. What I wasn't ready for was the birds. Stupid robins. <laughs> it seemed like every bird left the area except for robins, and they ate my seed. So I just became this maniac just looking out the back slider at the grass and out the front window over the sink like, well, these birds, I got myself a two-by-four that holds the slider shut, and it started off where I would just be hitting the slider off the frame to scare them away, but they were eating all my super seed. It turned into, I'm not lying, your pastor was running through his backyard, swinging a two-by-four, driving Robins away, and I looked to the side. I got a pretty long backyard, and my neighbor's looking at me, like, what's wrong? I was like, hey, Dan, you dog. Guess what didn't happen? My grass didn't grow because the robins ate all my super seed. It was the worst investment I've made in the past year. I want you to remember that story. Have a few laughs. 
But remember the seriousness of it. That sometimes when the word is preached, the enemy takes in and he rips out any root of faith in people. The second one is it, it falls on rocky ground. And this is the one Jesus explains is it seems like this person has put their faith in Jesus, that they love Jesus. They're so happy about the gospel. When they initially hear it, they're like, this is awesome. But it never took root. And why it didn't take root? Because of persecution and trials and tribulations. And first of all, before I unpack that, I want to just say, notice that it says it didn't take root. This means this person was never saved. The gospel never took root. Because I don't want people to be concerned that when it comes to, like, I can lose my salvation or earn my salvation. It says it never took root. The, the Holy Spirit never made that alive so they, they believed Jesus Christ was a son of God. Where there was repentance and faith. So what happened is they were never saved. It never took root. Because of the persecutions, the trials, and tribulations. That will help you all theologically so we don't go around like scared people. Like, what did I do wrong today? Jesus doesn't love me. That's not true. What happened to this group of people is persecutions, trials, and tribulations. You know what? It's tough to follow Jesus. You get persecuted. There's trials. There's things in your flesh that you, don't want, you want to do that you have to say no to every day. How fun is that? There's things that your natural sinful desires are saying, do this, do this, do this. And the Holy Spirit says, no, that's not for my people. That's not for my church. There's persecutions. People make fun of you. I was real cool till I started following Jesus. Then came, he's been touched by an angel. People started making fun, like this dude's taking it a little too far. I mean, I go to church on Easter, dog. This dude's going every week. He's reading the Bible. It's crazy. You start to get made fun of. People say, you're taking this thing too far. All of a sudden, you have to react with kindness to people. And guess what? You don't gain respect from the world when you act with kindness to people. They think you're a coward. You've got to forgive people. Oh, man, that ain't strong in the world, right? They make fun of you for that. You're weak. You know, because we learn... We think the mafia movies are Proverbs, and we live by them. We really do. I see that more and more every day. I like Social media, people post stuff like it's scripture. It's from Goodfellas. I say this all the time. Like it's Proverbs 3.19. And I'm like, it's hard to be tender. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to be persecuted. It's hard to go through trials. It's hard when sometimes people abandon you because of your faith. Those things are hard. And you know what? If there's no root in your heart and Jesus isn't everything to you, then you'll never bear fruit. And that's what happens with a lot of people. The path of Jesus is too hard. The times are too tough and they stop following Jesus. Jesus teaches us what's going on below the surface. Because when they followed Jesus back then, you know what? You were severely, it wasn't just someone made fun of you or they ostracized you or you didn't have the same clout you used to have. It was you were persecuted. You could be thrown in jail. You could be even killed. So people had to make the decision, do I really, am I convinced Jesus is who he says he is? Because this could cost everything for me and my family. And so that's what happened to the second group. The cost was too high. The third group, it says it was thrown among thorns. And um, this is a group that I, I, I see a lot because 
Jesus explains the thorns are the welches, uh, the wealth and the desire for riches that people desire so much. And let me tell you, the riches of this world are very tempting. Money has this aroma that promises to give you everything, man. It's hard to say no to that dinner. It's hard. It's hard. Many people have deemed money more valuable than Jesus, and Jesus said, listen, wealth, riches, the passing pleasures of sin, all those things, we talked about this last week, it chokes out the seed that was sown on these hearts. It chokes it out so they no longer follow Jesus. I see this all the time that people say, that's worth more, like we talked about last week. I, I was leading a Bible study. I tell the story once. I try to preach this message once a year. I was doing a, a Bible study with a group of men. There was about 15 men. And um, what happened was that the issue of Christian sexual ethics came up. So sexual holiness came up. And so these dudes were all gung-ho before we started talking about sexual holiness. And when I went to the scriptures and we talked about what Jesus said about holiness in this matter, they didn't like it. It's the first time ever after Bible study, there were 15 dudes lined up to talk to me. It's like, what the heck is this? Just lined up 15 dudes. Like coming up, people, when you're a pastor or a preacher, they act like you made the rules. They come up like, what you got, dog? You better be right. I'm like, I have no authority. I'm preaching. I'm a Christian pastor. I got to preach the Bible. You want to make stuff up and let's gather around and pretend? Fifteen dudes lined up like what you got. And I was like, guys, this is what Jesus said. This is the best for your life. This is what's going to bring you joy. This is what's going to protect you. And you know what? I think it was over 15. Those guys turned away. They said, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. And so it got choked out. See how the heart can do those things and choke out that seed of the gospel? Beware, lest it gets choked out in our hearts. Because it can happen quickly. Finally, let's get to the good news. There's some seed that falls on the right hearts by God's grace. And life's a change for eternity. Amen? May we be named among that, not this group. Where the gospel was so precious to us. Our sin was so great to us. Our Savior was even greater. And that seed fell on our hearts. And we said, there's nothing more valuable than this Christ. Jesus is worth it all. I'll give it all. My major aim in my life is to bear fruit of righteousness that will last for eternity. I not only want to see myself changed, I want to see others set free. I want to see this world changed by the light of the gospel. I want to see cities and towns changed. I want to see my family freed from bondage. I want to see all these people who are suffering from addiction, and the only answer is Christ. I want to see them set free. I want to see families reconciled. I want to see dads become dads not abdicate their roles. I want to see the fatherless find fathers and I want to see reconciliation. You should have that fire in your bones and that's what the gospel does, amen? If you can bear that kind of fruit, you're really living. That's real life. 
Jesus suffered, he was persecuted, he was ultimately murdered, but no one lived like Jesus. He lived an abundant life. And believe it or not, a joy-filled life because he looked ahead. And he said, I don't care what I have to suffer. I don't care what I have to give up. I don't care what spiritual forces I need to rebuke in the name of Jesus. I'm going to fight. I'm going to live. And I'm going to bring glory to Jesus. Now, I heard a pastor a few years ago at a conference. He was one of these legendary Southern brothers that are just happy about everything. And during his message, he said, he said, you know what? I got to visit someone in prison. What a privilege. But he really meant it. Now you say it politically sometimes, like I love this. And you're like, you don't know. Lie to me. This dude really believes it. What a privilege. He had to go with someone who he had been caring for, who was sober for a long time. And all of a sudden, they fell back in addiction, almost OD'd, and he was by their bedside. You know what he said? What a privilege. I get to be here and speak the gospel to you. What? That's not my natural inclination. I'm ready to throw people out the window. But Christ demands that. Christ demands that. Christ can take a heart through the seed of the gospel, and all of a sudden you're by someone's bedside, and they almost OD, and you can say, there's hope in Christ. Yesterday is forgotten. Let's go forward. You can be in prison and say, listen, that was wrong what you did, but you can live as a free man in Christ. You can be by someone's bedside, like he said, who was dying, a woman, on her last day, she was sick. And he said, there's hope in Christ, because when you take your last breath, you're going to see him in paradise. And you can say, what a privilege that God put me here. Amen? That's the real fruit of the gospel. This is what we have to live for. And when you, if God's doing that in your heart, if you really feel the Holy Spirit doing that, you are privileged. You have been revealed a secret that many will never know, that there is a God and this God is love. Jesus goes to unpack this a little bit more. And this is one of the most mysterious things, but don't run away from mystery when it comes to the Bible because that's how God reveals things sometimes. And you know what? There's some things we'll never fully understand until eternity. But we need to have faith that God is good in his character. And so he preaches on the beach that whole parable we just talked about to a great crowd. And then he's alone with his disciples. Now, notice about Jesus, he didn't try to explain every little thing he said during his parables. He never gave an explanation. He just said, some seed falls here, some seed falls here, that's good, that's not good, and he rolled out. That's good preaching, too, to leave our hearts to deal with eternal matters. Let people wrestle with these things. But what he did with his disciples is they asked him, what did that mean? And he revealed what it meant. He said, he revealed all the stuff we just talked through, but at the same, why are you preaching in parables? Why don't you just tell people straight out? Because he was going for the heart. In stories and parables that take the right ears to hear, you say them in mystery, and they catch the right hearts for the glory of God. And, and Jesus said this. This is a, a mysterious thing. In Mark 4, 10 through 12, for those who are working through salvation theologically, this is one that really is heavy. But if Jesus said it, we've got to work through it. 
Jesus saying to his disciples, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. That's steak dinner right there. That's heavy. I'm having trouble chewing that. What's going on with that? All of a sudden, you see salvation is pushed to primacy in Jesus that we have nothing to boast in. That grace is the privilege. Of course, it takes faith in, and we play a part in it mysteriously, but all glory will be given to God. And what is he saying? What do I want us to take out of this? That if we know God, it's a privilege that you are among the forgiven rejoice and that we will not understand every mystery until eternity, and that's part of the Christian walk. That is part of the Christian walk. This is why when we share the secrets of the gospel, sometimes people don't rejoice like us. You ever had a really good secret? And you're like, man, I, I, and the person tells you the worst thing they could ever say to you? Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. And you're like, you've got to be kidding me. You know I'm not good at this. <laughs> but it's such a happy, joyful secret. You want to tell everyone so everyone can rejoice. I remember this happened, like I told this story last year. We went through leadership track, and at the end of the leadership track, Alex told me that one of the cutest kids ever born in the history of the earth Paxton, that Lydia was pre pregnant. And for those who have been part of the life of this church a while, we know that we we're all praying and hoping, and that was a journey. We we're all praying and hoping together as a church for that. But what he said, he said, listen, I got a secret you can't tell nobody. Lydia's pregnant. And I was like, no, can I tell Natalie? <laughs> he said, yes, yeah, so we were good. But as I'm walking around, I'm like, I want to tell this person because I know they've been praying, but they don't know the secret. I can't tell. But you know what? To everyone who is praying, to everyone who loves the Lawsons, to everyone who is part of this church, that would have brought you great joy to know that. To someone who doesn't know them, they could care less. Like it was July 4th, and after the Star Spangled Banner, and they're going to do the fireworks, I jumped up on the podium and was like, Lydia's pregnant. People were like, who's Lydia, dog? Get him out of here. A secret's only a good secret when it's been revealed to you and you know the person. The gospel is so good to us because we know it. To many people, it means nothing. It's foolishness. And if the gospel means everything to you, we got to rejoice every single day. Amen, Restoration Road? It's amazing and a privilege as one of your pastors look around and see what God's doing in your life. It's amazing to see the fruit he's bearing in your life. It's a long road. It's a long journey. God knows that. He knows we're not perfect. He knows we need grace. He knows we're going to stumble. But I'll tell you right now, I've known you guys for a few years now, many of you, and you're not the same as you were because the gospel is changing you every day. Rejoice in that. Some of you are bearing 30-fold, some of you are bearing 60-fold, some 100-fold, but everyone here, we should go for the most fruit we can bear. So in closing, I want us to ask ourselves this question about how our ears are hearing. And please listen to this in closing. How are you hearing the gospel? Has the truth of the gospel been stolen from you? Then please hear it today. If the truth of the gospel has been stolen from you in your life until today, would you hear it today and believe? Have the trials 
persecution and cost of following Jesus caused the gospel not to take root in you, then abandon everything else today for the things of God. I tell you right now, God is worth it. Hear the gospel today above the persecutions and trials that will come if you follow Jesus. Thirdly, has the love of this world, the passing pleasures of sin, the desire for riches, has that choked out the gospel and you hearing it? Today, would you see that all the riches are in Christ and he's worth so much more than those things are passing away? Please hear that today. And finally, if you have already heard and believe and repented of your sin and following Jesus, know that that is a privilege and rejoice in God today and live in gratitude, spiritual gratitude towards our maker for sending his son. So Restoration Road, he who has the ears to hear, hear this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the truth. Let that fall on the right soil. And today, let that be the day of salvation. If you have put your faith in Jesus today, would you let me or Pastor Dave know? And we'll set you up for baptism. We ain't playing around here. Let's pray.